0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw this guy with curly blonde hair standing at the end of the room one of the girls that was babysitting she says there's something in this house and I said there is I said did it say hello and she said the piano I started playing notes on the piano
1: welcome to the ghost files my name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of spirit sisters where spirits dwell and love never dies For decades, I've been listening to ordinary people tell me about their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. Now, I'm going to share these moments with you, bringing you all new interviews every week with people who have a spooky story to tell, from seeing an apparition to receiving signs from beyond and messages from late loved ones, plus so much more. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Find out each week on The Ghost Files. My guest today on The Ghost Files is Bronwyn Lane, a writer, producer, director and publicist from Melbourne. On the phone the first time we spoke, Bronwyn introduced herself by saying, I see ghosts. I saw one last night. Of course, I thought, yep, here's my latest guest. Today, Bronwyn will share some of these intriguing encounters with us, but what we're going to explore in depth is her beautiful connection with her late brother, Justin, who's let her know time and again that he's by her side. A very reassuring thought for anyone who's lost someone that they love. Welcome to The Ghost Files. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to speak with you. And as I mentioned in the intro, the first thing that you said to me when we first spoke a couple of weeks ago was, I see ghosts, I saw one last night, (laughs) which I'm still thinking about. Can you tell us, please, Bronnie, about what you saw then, and um, have you seen any since?
0: Yeah, um, I've. Well, I mean, I'm sort of thinking about it now because sometimes it happens, and then I. It's just so such a common part of life these days that I kind of forget about it. But um, from memory, it was. I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was just standing there, as per usual, looking at me. <laughs> I'm always like, "Why are they looking at me?" <laughs> My goodness! I get a massive fright, Um, and I sat up and screamed, and it didn't. Usually, they leave when I scream, but it it didn't. And then um, it did go. But um, from memory, I believe it was was
1: a. I think it was a black shape. This one, so you you couldn't tell whether it was a man, a woman, or.
0: I felt like it had a male energy to it. The ones, the ones that really stick out to me that I always remember is when it's a child.
1: Wow. How often do you see child um, spirits?
0: Well, I would say that I probably see something every two, two to three months. Okay. Um, and it varies. Sometimes it's a a male black shape. Sometimes it's a female white shape. Sometimes it's a child. I remember I lived in this house once and I saw this – is, this is probably the weirdest one I've ever seen. I lived in this house on um, Beach Road in Albert Park, Beaconsfield, road, which is along the beach, Mm -hmm. and the house, I always felt like there was something in the house. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw this guy with curly blonde hair standing at the end of the room and he was just looking at me (laughs) And and I screamed as I always do because I get such a shock when I see them because I'm usually drifting into sleep or I've been, you know, asleep and then I wake up and I see them. And um, and then I remember he just stayed there and I just stared at him and then I shut my eyes and then he was gone. And then I discovered uh, maybe two months later that some that a young guy had committed suicide in that oh, house. Oh, gosh. And I was like, oh, my gosh,
1: that must have been who was visiting. Wow. So he was sleeping in his old room probably. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. So And Bronwyn, you were very small when you first saw a spirit, just a little girl, yeah. weren't you? Tell us about yeah. that.
0: Yeah, well, that one I'll never forget. Um, so I woke up and I rolled over and I looked at the door and I saw a black hooded figure walking past and I thought it was my father. And I said, wait, wait, I want to tell you something, something like that. And it turned and it looked at me and then I realised it wasn't my father, but it was actually nothing. It was just a black shape and then I said, oh, don't worry about it, I've forgotten what I wanted to say and it just <laughs> turned away and then I rolled over and I sang my little, I had this little song that I'd created in my head that I would sing to myself when I would get really frightened from saying things or having weird things happen in the house.
1: Really? You had a little song that you made up. Yeah. Do, do you remember how it went?
0: I do. It's, it was Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, running around, riding around in a ton truck. Are they scared? No, they're brave. They wear supersonic underwear.
1: <laughs> it's good. It's got comedic value. I love it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So and then my children now they, you know, when they get scared, that, they've got their own versions of this song. So now we've got Finn and Jake from Adventure Time. Oh.
1: <laughs> and Finn and Jake, yeah, they're great. Oh, that's that's fab. And how old were you when you saw this black hooded thing and um, and ma- and when you made up that song? I reckon I was about six or seven. Okay, I was under
0: ten years of age. Yes, and my father was still living with us, so that would put me under the age of seven. Okay, he left when I was seven, so I was I was young, little, and I was still sharing a room with my brother.
1: Okay, so you grew up in a haunted house. I <laughs> did.
0: I grew up in a very old part of Ballarat in Victoria and our house is an old miner's cottage and underneath the house you would go and explore and you'd find all sorts of old bottles and jars and things that had obviously been there for a very long time and um, just weird things would happen in the house where doors would just slam shut on their own and um, probably one of the most vivid memories I Have is sitting in the lounge room with my mother and the kitchen was next to the lounge room and we could hear something going through, like it sounded like drawers being open and shut. So if you think about the sound that a drawer opens Mm. when it's got cutlery in it. It's distinctive. Yeah, Yeah, and then shut and then like cupboards were being opened and shut. And I remember my mother saying to me, go and see what that is. And I said, no, you go and see what it is. (laughs) <laughs> she said, I'm not going to go see what it is. I said, well, I'm not going to go see what it is. And then um, it stopped. But you know, So nobody was, went in the end? <laughs> no, God, no. We were too petrified. Whenever the ghost was around, we certainly were not going anywhere near it. Um, so, yeah, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned doors slamming shut, going into rooms and just feeling like, particularly in the front room where I would practice the piano, I'd be practicing the piano and always feel a presence around me and it was really... Oh, you know they use the word haunting yeah, it, it felt very haunting right. I didn't like it I didn't like practicing on my own in the house and I um, still to this day I have a thing about the piano lid has to be down because I'm so petrified I'll hear the piano playing on its own mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> weird thing isn't it oh my but, goodness um, and I actually remember my piano I was living in another house about four years ago and one of the girls that was babysitting for me she I came home and she said, "Oh, she said, "Is this house?" She says, "There's something in this house?" And I said, "There is." I said, "Did it say hello?" And she said, "The piano started playing notes on the piano. Oh, it happened. yeah, and I because I remember when I moved in, it grabbed my hand one night.
1: Oh. were you <laughs> hello w- what what happened there? Were you in bed?" I was in bed, I was just sort of,
0: I had carpal tunnel syndrome when I was um, pregnant and sometimes I my hands ache and I have this habit of sleeping with my hands lying out of the bed and my hand was just lying over the side of the bed and next minute I felt someone, something, grab my fingers and pull my hand. Oh. <laughs> was that frightening? Yeah, I was petrified. Yeah, but yeah. I remember I'd be reading in that room, and sometimes the door handle, you would actually see it twist, the knob would twist, and the door would just open of its oh, own accord.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you've and seen my, maybe, stuff through Sorry, go on, go on.
0: No, I was going to say, maybe
1: you've just got things following me around. <laughs> Could be. I remember um, in our earlier correspondence, you mentioned that you've seen a nun once, uh, the ghost of a nun.
0: Yep, that's right. In another house that I lived in, a nun which was interesting because I went to Catholic school and I was very close to a particular nun who passed away in a dreadful car accident. Oh. So And I used to pray, you know, you pray or whatever, and I would always include Sister Mary in my prayers. So I seem to have interesting things seem to appear when I'm really struggling
1: mm. and I'll be
0: really struggling and then I, I'll have something like that happen. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, I, I don't know, I always think about, this is getting get re- this is getting very weird. But I always think about string theory, and they talk about these different dimensions. Yes. And they say there's seven, and I always think, well, if you consider, you know, heaven, earth, if you want to say heaven and hell and purgatory and the present and the past and the future, mm. you know, you could sort of say that these dimensions would all in parallel universe. You could sort of say, well, there's your seven dimensions in a way.
1: Yep. You I can know, think of it think, that way. Yep.
0: Yeah, but I mean that's getting very you know oh. I shouldn't say things like that because the science people will tell me to be
1: quiet. <laughs> oh well, I, I don't think even they know everything there is to know. The science people, but mm-hmm. um and yeah, it's fascinating to think about you know parallel dimensions and I've always been interested in past lives, but now I'm thinking of them more as simultaneous lives, as in everything is arising at the one time: the past, the present, and the future. So that mm. that has yeah parallels to what you're saying as well. Um, Yeah, yeah.
0: it it is interesting, particularly I know that I also have had recurring dreams throughout my life and um, I remember as a child I used to dream about this particular bridge and I'd always be in a car and approaching the bridge and then I'd sort of drive past and the bridge would be gone, and it was just a really distinctive bridge. Right. And then when I moved to Scotland and I was uh, in my first marriage, we were, he was driving me all over Scotland, you know, showing me things, and then we drove down this road and I said, oh, my God, it's my bridge.
1: You saw it.
0: I saw the bridge that I'd dreamed of as a, you know, growing up a
1: recurring dream. Yeah, so really. that that gives rise to that idea that it is all happening at once, and some people, for some reason, can access different points on the continuum. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's I don't know. We just don't know so little about our brain, really. Yes. don't
1: we? That's right. Um, so premonitions, Bronnie, you've had those too. Yeah, I have. So that um, dream being one of, I guess we could consider that one of them. But I'm yeah. F- yeah, yeah,
0: and um, I think probably the one that freaked me out the most would be the Black Saturday premonition um, where I had I, drew, I went to bed, I had this dream that there was smoke everywhere and people were dying and the earth was um, trembling, you know, like earthquake sort of trembling and um, I was on top of a building and I could see the fire and I was saying, they're dying, they're all dying. Oh. And I got up in the morning and I said to my mother, I had the most awful dream last night. There was I said it was like a natural disaster and a lot of people died. I said, um I said and there was smoke everywhere. I said, I really hope nothing bad happens today. And then there was Black Saturday. That's that was the morning of Black Saturday that I said that to my mother. Oh,
1: the morning of Oh my god. Yeah.
0: And then the next day I said to my mother, Do you remember I told you about my dream? And she said, I'm trying to forget your dream.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs)
0: yeah she's a good catholic lady so um
1: yes yeah yes i guess it would have been very disturbing and how did you feel to know that you dreamt of the disaster the night before
0: i think the problem with those things is that you might have those dreams but you have really nothing there's nothing really that you can do about them because Mm. how do you know if it's just a dream or if it's actually something's going to happen
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah and because you know you'd, you'd be like some lunatic on a American sitcom if you raced into
1: the you know <laughs> yeah
0: into the, the fire station quick
1: there's gonna be a fire that's it yeah, so it's kind of futile in a way so yeah, it's intriguing yeah. to think what what purpose they do serve
0: yeah and, and whether
1: in, whether it is just a tuning in of sorts that happens.
0: yeah, yeah, and I was like so pregnant I'm just trying to think because I rem- I must have been pregnant because I remember looking at the paper and people describing how as the fire came towards them the earth was shaking
1: oh. and that
0: and that was the the thing that had been really distinctive in the dream and i i was thinking it was an earthquake maybe it's an earthquake
1: Ronnie, you, you had a premonition of your brother Justin's sudden passing in two thousand and ten. Can you share yes. s- share that story, please? Yeah.
0: So my birth I was born on Mother's Day and um and my brother was born on St Patrick's Day, so that's oh. interesting. Little tidbit. Yes. Um but what happened was we'd all been celebrating Mother's Day and my birthday, um, together in Dalesford. And um when we were saying goodbye and, you know, going to jump in our respective cars and leave i just had this thought that i should just go and tell him you love him you might never see him again and mm. i went over to him and i said i love you and he said i love you too and mm. and then he said oh you're nearly 40 and i said oh you'll be 42 one day and he said not me he said i'll never be 40
1: wow I just and then got um,
0: yeah and the, the next day he had a massive heart attack and Essentially died in a classroom. And then it took them about 45 minutes to get his heart to go. But, and it took the fire, um, fireman two hours to get him out of the building. So, I mean, he was gone. Like, mm. he's just, there's just no coming back from that. So then he was on life support for 11 days. And then, you know, they told us he was brain dead and he would have had no quality of life, you know. So then we had to make that horrible decision mm. to turn the machines off. So then we did that and, you know, I was very blessed to be with him as he passed and I just, you know, just whispered in his ear, you know, just go into the light, go into the light
1: as he died. (laughs) And then after that, Ronnie, you had some very beautiful and further moving experiences with his spirit.
0: I did. did. So... Um, I remember I was in the kitchen with my mother at our house and I said, I was saying to her, he's with you, he's with us, he'll always be with you, you can talk to him any time, go and mum, talk to him. And she said, oh, we've you know, she was, as one can understand, you know, stricken with grief and mm. she said, oh, stop it, it's not true and, you know, sort of thing and then all of a sudden a door that's next to the kitchen that is impossible to open without human interaction it just slid open of its own accord.
1: Amazing. And I was
0: a sliding door. And I said to my mother, "See, that's him telling you he's here."
1: What, um, what did your mother do when she saw that?
0: I can't remember. It's it's that time after he died. I just sort of there's moments. There's just things I remember. But that's one of them. I just know that the door slid open, and I said, "That's see, he's here." I think I spoke to him, Justin. Hi. We love you and miss you, but we understand it was your time to go.
1: It's amazing that you were able to say that, and I I know that you shared a really profound and beautiful bond, the two of you.
0: Like not everybody has siblings, but, you know, everybody has a different sort of relationship with their siblings, and I think because my father left when my brother was so little that in a way I took on a not quite a co-parenting role, but in a way a co-parenting role, and my mother even when we were – deciding to turn the machines off, she said, it's your choice as much as it's mine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I remember he was very, he was different. He had a thing called Kleinfelder syndrome and he was probably Asperger's um, but, you know, that's sort of become something that's very diagnosed these days whereas back then it wasn't. It was just like that kid's weird.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, he had learning disability. So the, he was different. He just had his own You know, he's just a different unit Mm -hmm. and I felt very protective of him and with having a single mother and growing up in the 70s and 80s in Ballarat, um, you know, I know when my mother would have to make decisions, we would make those decisions together together um, You know, should he go to boarding school? Yes, Mum, I think you should send him to boarding school. Get him out of that school where he's being bullied.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I remember, you know, getting into fights with other kids because they would bully him and because our father was gay as well, you know, bisexual, he left right. to pursue a gay relationship in Melbourne. Although my mother says that she said go and do that and yeah. you've got to pick. You know, you can't have both. Right, right. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, I guess it was the 80s and things were a bit more liberal. You know, we sort of had that connection and the half the reason I have my own business is because he found that he struggled so hard with work that I created a company so that I could hire him. Right. And just as just as my company was starting to take off, he died. And I, you know, I just felt like, oh, that's so cruel. That's yeah. so cruel. Yeah. He was, you know, just started to study teaching at university. He was finally getting his life together. It seemed like he'd found his niche. Yeah. And then next thing he has a massive heart attack and dies. And, you know, we had that experience of the door opening. And I remember when I came back to Melbourne after he had died, sitting at my computer to try and work. And I'd never had a screensaver on my Mac before. Mm -hmm. And my brother was very into computers and technology and he fixed computers and a you know, big gamer mm-hmm. and I sat down and there was the most beautiful screensaver on my computer that had never, I'd never had a screensaver oh. and I just knew that that was him communicating to me. Yes. And um, sometimes, not very often, sometimes that screensaver will come back and I'll know that that's him just letting me know. He doesn't visit me very often now but mm. just sometimes, just sometimes when I'm really struggling I'll, You know, get a visitation in a dream or like the screensaver or
1: there'll be something. Okay, something to give you comfort in in a trying time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. just to let me know I'm still here. Yes. You know, there have been times when I've asked directly for help and received help um, and times when I've just been struggling and he's come to me in the dream and held my hand and said, it's going to be okay, you're going to get through this, just know that I'm holding your hand
1: through it all. Oh, that is so beautiful.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, which is really lovely. Um, and I really feel strongly that he looks over my daughter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to protect her yep. because she. he had this really unusual uh, mannerism where he would hold his arm, one arm, he hold one arm with his other arm but he'd do it behind his back. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, yes. So, yeah, and my daughter does that. Oh. I've never really seen anybody else do it just like it's sort of like almost a relaxing thing yep yep and that's what he did and he did that his entire life and then I see my daughter wouldn't even know that because she was two
1: when he died right so
0: it's just every time I see her do that I'm actually a bit freaked out by it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so that that connection continues into the next generation as well and um and Bronnie I know that actually not long after he did pass you had a type of epiphany a type of vision of his energy and where he was traveling to
0: I was falling asleep and I had this, this idea came into my mind, sort of like a vision in a way of his energy, of him collapsing in the classroom and his energy, sort of like a slingshot, just going all the way out into the universe and going as far as it could go, like as if you're pulling a slingshot back mm-hmm. and then just being let go and that energy just coming all the way back in, sort of like to be recycled and, um, I felt like at that point, probably reincarnation does exist, but there's a part of us that's left behind I see yeah yeah, and um, I felt like I hope that whatever his next life is, that it's a beautiful life, and I you know just had thanks that there would always be a part of him also with us
1: yes yes that's that's a lovely idea, isn't it, to think that yeah yeah, it's like different aspects of us in different dimensions as well in in a way
0: yeah and I guess if we think of energy and it's interesting to think whatever it is that makes us us could go somewhere and that that energy could be split apart
1: and yet never be apart in a way yeah
0: which is interesting that then makes me think why is it that we meet people sometimes and we've never met them but they seem so familiar to us
1: that's right
0: or we just connect with somebody for some reason and We might say, oh, it's because we have common interests, but actually it's almost like looking in a mirror when you're
1: talking to them. It's absolutely intriguing. And I know that for you, Bronnie, losing your brother in this way and your contact with him and his reassurances that he's still with you, that really led you to reassess your life and um, what you wanted to create in your life. Could you share something about this?
0: So I guess I started my company and, you know, I sort of had dreams of, of being a filmmaker and you know a really respected writer and but I probably was just plodding along as a single mother and I'd released a children's book and and you know I was probably waiting for things to come to me a little bit I think after that happened I you know once I'd gotten through the grief which was crippling I was much more driven to just get out there and do everything that I wanted to do. If I wanted to write screenplays, write screenplays. If I wanted to work in the film industry to do everything I could to do that, if I wanted to write more books, to write more books and get them published. And it became very apparent to me that, you know, we have this life and we really need to make the absolute most of this life, you know, to really cherish every moment, even though it can be hard and to really try and focus on living now, and just to, you know, work on manifesting what I want.
1: Yeah, so what I love about what you're saying is that, in a way, what Justin has done is gifted you this um, beautiful sort of burst of creativity and um, willingness to embrace the moment.
0: What it made me do was actually work harder to achieve the things I really wanted to do rather than sit back and wait for it to happen. It sort of made me say nobody's going to come to you and, and make that happen. You need to make that happen. There's this idea of you look at your tombstone and what does it say? I think I'd like mine to say, I really did everything I could to try to bring joy to others and, you know, leave a legacy for my children.
1: Well, that's a very inspiring message, Bronwyn, and I think it's lovely um, to leave our guests with that thought, you know, that that to live in the moment and to do everything you can for the ones you love as well. Um, So just to finish with our last question that I put to all of my guests, what can an encounter with the dead teach us about living?
0: I think what it tells us is that nothing ever really ends because nobody knows what's on the other side, really. If we start to think of death not as the most worst experience that could ever happen to us, I think that it would help us you know, cope better with our grief Mm. and the loss of loved ones and also to not be so fearful of death ourselves
1: totally very very wonderful points well thank you so much bronwyn for sharing your amazing experiences with us today and your very very profound and lovely story about your connection with justin it's um it was a joy to have you on today
0: absolute pleasure thank you for having me
1: thank you for opening up the ghost files with us I'm Karina Machado, and we'll be back next week with more true-life tales of spooky encounters. So please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others just like you to find the podcast. In the meantime, you can check out my other podcast about mysteries and marvels, Spirit Sisters, based on my best-selling book. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for more Goosebumps.